Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham, and on today's episode, we have Stacy. Stacy Ramsauer is an Ayurvedic lifestyle coach, full-spectrum doula, and mother pursuing her doctorate in clinical psychology. Stacy's journey in birth began when she decided to meet her birth mother and continues evolving through her pregnancy, birth, and postpartum experiences. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here. Hi, Stacy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, wherever you would like to begin your story. I'm actually, you know, I'm feeling a little bit nostalgic. I'm, I'm sitting here in my husband's office and he's got these really sweet photos in here. Um, a photo of like the moment after... I birthed our son, which was my first birth. And my son is almost two. And when I think about, I I attended a birth just a couple of days ago and it was similar and sort of like the peaks and valleys. (laughs) I felt a little bit like I was watching my own birth with my son. And so I'm just there today. And where that his birth story always starts for me is uh, I fired my midwife at 40 weeks <laughs> wow. and I, you know, I, in the middle of my pregnancy moved uh, from Houston to Tucson, which is my hometown. It was a really big move because I almost like vowed never to move home. <laughs> and I brought my husband along with me who's from the East coast. And, you know, it was a huge move for him. We really like took a flying leap and I was ready to have a pretty hands-off birth. Uh, and so I took a recommendation for a particular midwife from a friend who had had a really good and, you know, hands-off experience. I was like, great. And I didn't really ask too many questions. Uh, you know, she seemed sweet and had been a midwife for a long time. And <laughs> we went along and things started to get funny for me uh, when it came to the point in my pregnancy where we did the GBS testing. Mm. And at that point, I wasn't really, like, I wasn't interested in getting, you know, lots of ultrasounds, but I had an ultrasound uh, because my first pregnancy um, ended in a miscarriage at, like, 12 weeks. So 
I did get an ultrasound before I moved to Tucson. And when it came time for the GBS test, I was just sort of like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. It's not like a big deal. Um, and then I tested positive and my midwife was like really doom and gloom about it. I've got a noisy cat in the background. Um, and so I, I felt like this panic and it's hard for me to tell the story now, almost like, like in the present, go back to that time because now, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I remember being in like total panic and super scared and disappointed. And so we had this really intense conversation, my midwife and I, and she said, you know, I need, I can refer you to a naturopath blah, blah, blah. It was sort of like, she gave me her whole spiel and I was really just deer in the headlights at this point. So I went to see this naturopath. She prescribed me antibiotics. And I remember this naturopath was really cool. She just like, was asking me some questions about my life and my pregnancy so far. And she looks at me kind of like, you know, over the top of her glasses. She's like, so are you going to take these, meaning the antibiotics? And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I don't know. I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And then I took them. And then I retested. And I was positive again. Mm-hmm. And my midwife transferred my care to the hospital she's like okay so we need to consult at banner and you'll go in and I'll transfer your paperwork and when I think about it now I was just sort of like out of my body and just being told what to do like not sort of nodding my head I was totally stunned It's like a joke now that like the only thing I got out of taking those antibiotics was a yeast infection. (laughs) It didn't help me at all. It was against what I wanted to do. And so of course I end up with a yeast infection. I end up, you know, consulting at the hospital and I'm like crying the whole time. This student OB comes in and does an ultrasound without asking. And I remember specifically, so I was in triage and then I was in one of the laboring rooms. The attending obstetrician was like, you want to come and see one of the rooms? You know, like, you know, we've got all this and we can, we can talk about letting you even labor standing up if you wanted to. And at this point I'm starting to like, sort of like come back into my body and she looks at me and I said, you know, this is just really not what I wanted. And she was like, I know, I know it's a hard uh, transition to make, but you know, the worst thing would be a dead baby. Mm. And I just like, it was like lightning through my body. Mm. And I just walked out of there and I'm like shaking as I'm describing it to you. I can feel like, like my head feels like a balloon. And I, for the next four or five days, just filled with rage. Like, how dare 
how dare you say this to me? How dare you tell me that I'm like, how dare you tell me this lie essentially? And my midwife, I was so angry at her. And I was talking to my, my doula, who is also a dear friend of mine. And she was like, do you want to have your baby at home? And I said, yes, more than anything. She said, then you should have your baby at home. And she put me on the phone with a midwife in Phoenix. And we had a really long conversation. She asked me questions. She told me how she works. And she was like, I'll drive to Tucson. We can have your baby at home. And so I, I called my midwife and she didn't answer her phone, which was pretty normal for her. And, you know, again, it's like hindsight, like these red flags were everywhere. She didn't give me her phone number until I was 37 weeks. Like basically she wasn't on call. Like she just wasn't there for me. And I was like, I can't believe that you've just thrown me away, like thrown me to the wolves. And she hung up on me and I emailed her and I told her that I wasn't going to go with her anymore, that I was working with someone else and that I would like my money back. And she just didn't respond to me. Um, but I remember this, it was like a combination of rage and anxiety, just becoming this, like, like I was a bonfire and so committed to what I knew at the deepest part of myself, which is that I would birth my baby at home and not like to defy anybody or prove anything, but because I was healthy and my baby was fine and I would have my baby at home. And that's where I was supposed to be. The thought of going to the hospital for me was terrifying and being in that space where someone's like doing things to my body and my baby without even asking, just telling me to like lift my shirt so they can, you know, do things. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. This is not at all <laughs> what should be happening. And, it, you know, I've been a doula for several years, but mostly hospital births. So all of that was normal to me. And I hadn't had a lot of examples or experience of something else. It was really just in my body. Like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. There's nothing wrong with me. So why are they treating me like, you know, walking around me with fear and like this expectation that something would be wrong is how it felt. So I hired a new midwife at 40 weeks pregnant and those next nearly two weeks, like she came down to Tucson and spent like five hours at my house and we got to know each other and she got to know my husband and got to know my space and it was just like, okay, you know, now it's really like go time any day now. And it was like a week and a half nothing, no signs of anything, nothing at all. And I was so pissed off. I was so tired of being pregnant. It's the end of summer in Tucson. I was just over it. Mm -hmm. My in-laws came for a weekend thinking that they were, you know, they'd be there to meet the baby. And they left on a Monday morning. And 
I was just like, <sighs> I'm just going to go to the movies. I'm going to go to the movies. So I took myself to the movies and I couldn't get comfortable. I was so physically uncomfortable sitting. I kept like standing up and there were only two or three other people in the movie theater. And I just remember like getting up and I would like go up and down the stairs a couple times. <laughs> and when I got in my car that uh, afternoon after the movie, you know, stepping in one leg, my pelvis like popped. Mm. I was like, oh, that's weird. I've never felt that before. And I drove home and my husband and I ordered pizza from our favorite place and watched a movie and just like, you know, really, it was like a very simple kind of plain evening, but just awesome, mm -hmm. really connected. And we went to sleep that night and I woke up at about 5 a.m. just like, like someone turned the light switch on inside my body. I was just awake. And I just felt kind of weird. And so I got up and I think I had a snack. No, I didn't eat anything. I got up and tried to go to the bathroom and was just like laying there a little uncomfortable reading and then I remember I was like okay I'm gonna try to go back to sleep because my husband was still sleeping quite soundly so I closed my eyes and almost exactly as I closed my eyes I had this like very intense contraction it's like okay <laughs> got up I went to the bathroom felt pretty weird to sit on the toilet got in the shower had another really intense contraction and I think I had two or three contractions while sitting or while standing in the shower. I was like, okay, I think, I think something's happening. So I texted my midwife because she was in Phoenix and just, you know, gave her the heads up that things were, were starting, I think. <laughs> and just remember like kind of wandering around the house and, really already being pretty concentrated on my body and my contractions were about five minutes apart. My husband's so excited, made the bed and put the plastic sheet on. And I was pretty much keeping to myself. And went to our back room that also has a bathroom, but sort of like tucked away in the back of the house sat down on the toilet and just started vomiting. I was like, call Vanessa. Vanessa was one of my doulas. Call Vanessa. So my husband calls her and I can hear him in the background. He's like, uh, Vanessa, she says, come, you need to come. <laughs> and I just laid down on the back room floor, which was going to be the nursery. And I laid down. And I remember opening my eyes and just seeing Vanessa's feet walk toward me. And I started sobbing like, okay, I'm in labor. This is really happening. And there's someone here. And like, almost like I was holding my breath until that moment. Makes me cry just thinking about it. 
And at this point, I mean, I was just in it. I have a couple of photos that Vanessa took for us of just sort of like pacing my kitchen and like, I'm already like naked. It's about 10 a.m. And my midwife showed up and listened to the baby. Everything's great. And I just started getting like really overwhelmed. And I think maybe an hour or so later, I asked her to check me. I know that she checked me sometime around like noon and I was eight and a half centimeters dilated. And I couldn't eat. Everyone's like trying to get me to have like something to eat, have a banana. And I just, it's like a little kid who just sort of like chews the food and lets it fall out of their mouth. Like, this is so gross and I hate it. That's how I felt. Anytime somebody tried to put something in my mouth, I was like, oh, this is so disgusting. All over the place, all over my bedroom. I could not get comfortable. And I kept, I was so vocal, which really surprised me because from the first moment I knew I wanted to be a mother, I was like stoked about giving birth. Like I cannot wait for this experience. And <laughs> I have it captured on film saying, to, I said to my friend, I didn't think I would hate this so much. I hate this. <laughs> Just stomping my feet and moaning and yelling and, I had great support and every, I would look at my husband and it was sort of like I was just in this tunnel, right? And every now and then I would look up and say like, this is so hard. I don't think I can do this. And my, like his face is so clear in my vision and my memory, just the most relaxed smile saying, you're doing it. You're doing it. And then I, you know, take a deep breath and my doula had this awesome like chill cloth that she kept putting on my upper back. And <sighs> this is where things like started to get for me. It just took so much effort, like so much concentration and a lot of moaning and stomping my feet and mantra. And I remember having a couple of really big gaps, like I just couldn't be in any other position than leaning over my bed. Everything felt so painful. And one of the, I think it was the assistant midwife. I remember her saying like, maybe you just need to go into like a squat and move things along. So I like took a deep breath and started to squat at the start of one of my contractions. And I <laughs> almost like jumped in the air. I was like, no. I could not, I just could not be in that position. So I crawled onto the bed. I feel like it was almost like running away from a wild animal or something. I just remember like skittering onto the bed and grabbing this pillow. And I had this nice long break. And even though it was like so intense and I was so you know, I hadn't eaten anything at this point. I just remember like the feeling of this pillow. It's like one of those husband pillows with the little armrests. And it's this like really soft velvet. And I just buried my face into it. 
and my cat in the background. I remember my midwife coming up to me and sort of whispering something in my ear. And it was so nice to have this like very gentle reminder. I mean, all this time in my memory, it's like she wasn't even there, you know, very much like a fly on the wall, but it wasn't, there was no interference. I just know that when I needed support, my support people were there, but I was so just like in it, in this tunnel of my labor, which was actually really great. Again, it was like, anytime I felt like I needed help, I just had to like look up or say someone's name and, and they were there. And she whispered something into my ear and I just sort of like melted down onto the bed. And I had this really nice long pause. And then almost like, almost like, uh, I don't know, like lightning or something really like kicking me from the inside, just like shot back up onto my hands and knees. I feel like my movements really near the end were very <laughs> athletic for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Like there was so much life force in my body in spite of how exhausted I was. And my body started pushing. And with my son's birth, in, in contrast to my most recent birth, it was like, that is when I really got present. And I felt uh, not in control, but like less overwhelmed. The overwhelm went away and I was just in so in my body and grounded. And I started pushing and <laughs> my midwife said to me, you know, you're sort of quitting on the push about halfway through, just need you to stay with it. I need you to go a little bit further all the way to the end. And I just said, wait, I, you know, I had like all this coaching now because people saw that I was pushing and like the coaching started coming in. I was like, wait, everyone, wait. I just need to slow down right now. And even now as I'm retelling it, like it's so, it's like a, like a, this was like a true evolutionary moment for me. Like, I am not here to do anything at anybody else's pace for anybody else's satisfaction. I've already tried that way. And that was almost my birth story, you know, being told where I was going to have my baby and how it was going to go and what was going on with my body. And then this environment, you know, everyone got really quiet and it was almost like, <laughs> only because I'm watching so many Disney movies at the moment, like, like everything just sort of like moved away from me. Like I was with the force of my voice and my body was able to give myself space. And that is such an incredible feeling. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and I have, I, again, just so present and so clear where exactly my son was and what exactly I had to do. 
And within maybe a minute or three minutes, I pushed him out. And having this perfectly intact little being so clearly here for me, like not for my satisfaction, I don't mean it that way, but like I do believe that he came to me twice. I do believe it was his soul that was with me when I miscarried mm-hmm. and he came back. Wow. That's just something that I know mm-hmm. within myself and to see him finally. <sighs> I mean, obviously it's, as you can tell from my voice, like, mm-hmm such a significant life altering moment how could it not be you know yeah and he just those those first moments like just total awe total awe and wonder and delight and having being able to just like be in my space like be in my bed and be really really cared for and and you know knowing what I know now I'm not I I still think that my you know this birthing of my placenta is significant in how it went there, you know, I did have a time limit for, for the people who were giving me care. There was a time limit on birthing my placenta and it took some significant effort and, and not effort that caused me any harm. Um, But I do feel like even if there hadn't been this sort of like, externally imposed time limit I would have been challenged to birth my placenta because it was like this that last remaining grip or hold kind of this fear based on what had happened with my previous midwife Mm -hmm. like all this panic right near the end and sort of uncertainty uh lack of clarity within myself, not just from like my care providers, but uh, anyway, that, I mean, that part of my birth story is as significant as all the rest of it. Cause I had, I mean, that was the point for me that I really had to, or maybe that I fully experienced the surrender, like just letting my body completely go and letting someone else hold me. My phenomenal doula was like under my arms and standing on my bed and I was just hanging in this squat and really breathing and really talking to my body and it was incredible and and I find this this relationship to my placenta like I I did encapsulate both my placentas and with my son's birth I 
I utilized, I consumed all of it. And it felt like really significant and really important with my second birth. I also encapsulated my placenta, but I took it for a couple weeks and just felt very complete with it. Mm-hmm. And having had that second experience, um, it was interesting to me as sort of that compare and contrast um, element. Yeah, gosh, I just want to snuggle my little guy right now so much. (laughs) I'm so grateful for the opportunity to tell that story. Well, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to sit here and listen to it. So thank you. Mm. (laughs) And yeah, so um, you have a second child, correct? Yeah, I have a daughter who was born about three months ago. Cool. Let's uh, hear that story, if you would be so kind to share it with us. Yeah, I would. I would love to. It feels like telling them, telling them together feels like the right way to tell them. I haven't really told her story to many people, and I kind of feel like telling them together is important, but not everybody has an hour to listen. (laughs) So again, thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my my daughter's pregnancy and birth were quite different um, from my son's. I really did not like being pregnant with my son. And I'm sh- I believe it had more to do with just that shock of like, what do you mean I can't do this? What do you mean I can't do that? Like, <laughs> I lived 36, 37 years of just like, I can do whatever I want when I want and I know how to use my body. And then suddenly you're seven, eight months, nine months pregnant. And it's like, this sucks. That's my experience. Um, It was very hard for me to slow down. It was very hard for me to adjust my yoga practice. I had been a yoga teacher for 15 years. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, it was sooner than I thought I got pregnant 10 months postpartum and I was a little bit overwhelmed I remember just I knew I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was pregnant and I wanted to take a test and on my way to buy the test I just wept the whole way (laughs) sort of like just getting those feelings out of the way of like oh shit I don't know if I can do this. And positive test, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I already knew I was pregnant, but so we just started on this journey of pregnancy number two, and I really enjoyed it. You know, of course it's, I was uncomfortable at various stages and I ended up having a lot more actual pain in my second pregnancy. Um, you know, things are looser and I'm already hypermobile in my back and pelvis and it was just harder. Mm -hmm. I'm chasing a toddler around. Um, And not having access to a lot of my community because of the pandemic was very difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was, you know, that was true for me. So it became that much more special and wonderful that my husband and I were living 
in my hometown and I had my parents and my brothers and I had a lot of, a lot of family support. Cause I think otherwise I would have gone totally crazy. Um, and I found a wonderful, wonderful midwife. And I also had this like fire to walk through with her and it became very clear at some point in, in my pregnancy that there was something off in me. I, be, I became really, um, really fearful again. Like, I don't know if what I want is going to be respected, but what became clear to me was that it didn't matter who my care provider was. Like I was going to have to have this conversation that was much more like archetypal than, than based on any specific other human being. So it was essential for me to use my actual physical voice and say, this is what I want. And I need to be clear that this is something you're able to provide in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And the, the conversation couldn't have gone better as far as what I was hoping. And like I said, it was more important that I actually just use my voice to say this, to articulate my needs out loud and expect them to be met, right? Rather than like staying quiet and hoping that this person would like figure it out or right. somehow be perfect so I didn't have to be vulnerable. <laughs> and it was so empowering. It was empowering and... <sighs> Again, it just uh, for me, like these these experiences that I've had through pregnancy and birth have been deeply transformational. Uh, at at like a core level, like very healing for the mothers behind me, and and a side kind of side note. A, but I think it's significant. I was adopted at birth mm. and I know my birth mother, I've met her and we, we communicate infrequently, but we do communicate and what I know of her and what I know of her mother, self-expression is like a deep core wound being heard, getting your needs met mm. and my pregnancies and birth experiences have been all about that, finding some resolution there. And even this opportunity to tell my story feels like part of it, like saying yes to the opportunity to share my story. Um, so in my in the wake of my conversation with my midwife, suddenly it was like a, a real weight was lifted from my body and I felt more excited and more just at ease and patient. And I remember one morning, I'm trying to think what I, oh yes, I remember. So I was just feeling like really antsy one evening and Typically, you know, my routine had been to go for a long walk every morning by myself uh, while my son napped. And it was an evening and I asked my husband if, you know, he would be okay just doing bedtime alone and I'd go for a walk. And I went for this long walk and I just felt just kind of jittery. 
and I wasn't really feeling a lot of movement from my baby and had a really quiet night's sleep. And the next morning, again, I wasn't feeling any movement. And these were like her typical patterns, a lot of movement early in the morning. And so I went for a walk and I had my breakfast and like nothing, there was nothing going on. And so I called my midwife and I said, I don't, I don't like this. I want to go in for a non-stress test because, mm -hmm. you know, drinking water, I had coffee, like nothing was eliciting anything. Mm -hmm. And so I did go in, I did go in to have a non-stress test. And this day was the first day since my son was born that my husband had left the house to go to work. He had been working remotely and then he got laid off. And so his first day at work, he's also working an hour away. So he's gone. He's like at least an hour away from me. I go to the hospital. My parents picked up my son. And as soon as I got to the hospital, you know, baby's heart rate is fantastic, but still very little movement. And it took about 30 minutes before what I now know is she started dancing around and just very strong and okay, wow. And it was like from that moment, just constant movement through the afternoon, like very, very, very active, lots of stretching, lots of kicking, lots of sensation at my cervix. And I went to pick up my son and I just like kept going to the bathroom. I, was like, God, I just feel like I have to poop, but nothing's happening. I had zero thought that anything was happening remotely related to labor, like total denial, mm -hmm. but I wasn't comfortable. Sitting didn't feel good. My dad was playing with my son. I was just like, I think I have to go to the bathroom again. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. My mom was like, are you sure you're not in early labor? And I was like, no, that's not what's happening. Can you like total denial. What uh, um I'm sorry to interrupt. Can you remind me at what week gestation you were at? I was at 39 weeks and three days. Cool. And my son was 41 and four. Okay. And I was just like ready for, I was ready for it to take like two more weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like not going to put myself through that same thing that I went through before of being like so impatient. And so like, whatever I was like, nah, I'm not going to, you know, I probably have at least another week, if not two. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was getting ready to take my son back to our house and it was about four 30 in the afternoon. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I just had this kind of like wave, like cramp, I was like, mom, I need to leave him here. And she was like, I think you do too. I think you need to get home right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I drove myself home. And as I'm driving, I'm having these like wave-like cramps. Still, I'm in denial. Like, I don't think they're contractions. I just feel like I have to poop. And so I texted my, my midwife. She was like, cool, maybe... Oh, and, you know, there's some other stuff going on. So she's like, maybe you're losing your mucus plug. And I was like, you know, my underwear is like really wet. I have to wear a pad. I'm still in denial. It's so crazy now that I think about it. And I got home and I sat on the toilet and my husband walked in a few minutes later. And I was like, I think I'm going to have a baby tonight. Mm 
And he's like, great. <laughs> Just like changes his clothes real quick and puts the sheet on the bed. And he's like, I'm going to order us some food. What do you want? He's like, oh, I want Vietnamese food. And this is 530 5 30 p.m. So I go into our bedroom and I lay a couple chucks down and I'm just like swaying my hips and doing my thing. And suddenly my underwear is soaking wet. Mm. It's like, that's weird. <laughs> you know, like I've never, like, I don't know anything about birth. I'm like, that's weird. I wonder what's going on. <laughs> and then I had a very strong contraction and I texted my midwife. It's about 10 after 6 now. And I said, I think I need you to come. She was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pack myself a little snack and I'm going to be right over. So she got here about 40 minutes later. And by that point, I was like on hands and knees on my bed moaning. I think I'm going to barf. She's like, okay, great. Let's get things going. So she and my husband start setting up a tub. And every, like every other contraction or so, I'm like, somebody, somebody, please, I need help. I just need hands on my body. And they're like trying to fill up the tub. Finally, she comes over, my midwife comes over and she does something to my sacrum. I just remember like her hand on my sacrum and feeling the first little bit of relief and like being able to open my eyes. <sighs> I like took a deep breath. And the next contraction came and it was like fetal ejection reflex, super strong. And she was like, um, you can stop talking to my husband who's like with a bucket trying to fill this tub up a little bit faster. You can stop. I think I see the baby's head. And I like with my son, when I started to feel the urge to push, I could, I could participate in it and it felt good. It felt great. And this experience, it was like, some other force was pushing my daughter out from inside of me and it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I, I could hardly like keep my balance on my knees. And I like tried to change my position a little bit, like a, like a running position and too much. It was way too much. So I just started panting a little bit. And there was a gush of blood. And I didn't know that. My midwife told me. She's like, so there was just a little release of blood. I want to check you. You know, just to make sure. I want to make sure your cervix is ready to go. And I said, okay. And <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe three seconds later, I was pushing and my daughter was crowning. And I put my hand down and I can still feel it. <laughs> it just felt like velvet in my hand, her perfect little head. And I, I was able to kind of lean back and lift my chest up and take a deep breath. And she, I mean, maybe within another 
15 seconds, she just slid into my arms. And it was so calm and quiet when she emerged. I had been, I had been very frantic. I was, I was very overwhelmed. And, you know, I, I left out a little piece of the story that's really significant. I'm just going to go back before I went to my parents' house to pick up my son. I came home from the hospital after the non-stress test and was just like, wanted to take a little nap because it was very stressful to have the non-stress test. (laughs) And I sat on the toilet and I just wept thinking about my son and how it was about to be. Not just us anymore. And I felt such deep grief. And it was with that, like that emotional purge. Now looking back that I know, like, that's when my mucus plug started to come out and like started leaking fluid and started having these wave-like cramps. But I just, I mean, I must have just cried for 20 to 30 minutes, like deep grief. Moving through my body. And as my as I caught my daughter, it was like uh, this perfect additional presence in my life. And and for a few sweet moments, like just the two of us, you know, just just us. I, I didn't really, I didn't have anyone else's hands on my body. There's no one else touching her. And I caught her, which was something that I really deeply wanted. And I have this lingering feeling of like her birth involved so much adrenaline it was so fast she was in my arms at eight o'clock so like from the time that I really felt like I needed to concentrate it's like a little after 6 p.m and then she was in my arms at eight (laughs) it's very fast and that experience of the swiftness of her arrival was a little was was startling on a lot of levels like it's taken me these three months to really feel like truly present with her and in my body again Mm -hmm. and if not for you know the the postpartum care training that I have and the, the people around me who really support physiologic birth and deep rest after birth. And, the, you know, I study Ayurveda, so it's the sacred window. I think I would have really suffered. I, I had a very, like, rough transition in those first few days. My hormones were all over the place. I experienced very overwhelming emotional swings. But I had a team of support. I had people I could call. I had, you know, someone I could reach out to at 10 o'clock at night and say, I'm not okay. And she 
you know, took action on my behalf and got people in my community to help. And I don't, I mean, that feels like such a significant part of this second postpartum experience. So I had a lot more help and I really, feel like just this deepened intensity of of passion for what it is to mother and become a mother um and to to get over whatever lingering sense of you know not either it's not deserving support or feeling too needy or afraid of asking for fear of like being a burden on people like all of these are very familiar storylines in my head but this experience of birthing my daughter was like burned all of that to the ground like fuck that pardon my language I hope it's okay to oh, use four letter words totally fine totally fine um, and and yeah it's been these three months that it's taken me to feel like like I can actually see both of my children with clear eyes. And I don't know that I can explain it more than that. Um, but yeah, wow, what a, what a trip to tell those stories back to back, but also really, really cool. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was one more question I had for you because I'm just thinking um, of your son and just the bit of the story, how you told, how you um, had that grief about how it would no longer be the two of you. And then you had that experience with your daughter where it was just the two of you. Yeah. Um, what was that moment like? Do you remember the moment when your son met your daughter and his little sister? Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, my son came over the next morning and was really overwhelmed. Like there was definitely some shock. And my parents brought him over. And so he spent the night, my daughter was born at eight o'clock at night. And my, my son spent the night with my parents, which he has done a couple of times. So that wasn't an unusual thing. But when he arrived in the morning, he was really emotional. Like, clinging to my dad and not really wanting to see the baby. And it was really, um, I mean, I think my feeling was like, I don't need to force him. Mm -hmm. And it's clear, like we've got some feelings to sort out here. (laughs) And he's, it's been a very big transition for him because in addition to there being this brand new baby who is on mommy all day long, now my husband is out of the house working for the first time in my son's life. So my, my husband had previously been home all the time with us mm-hmm. and now he's gone and there's a new baby. and so. It's been really tender and obviously that adds to this piece of like needing a lot of community support and a lot of compassion from the people who also care for us. My parents have been incredibly supportive and helpful. I feel very lucky. And I've also had, it's like 
been a new part of our relationship too, where I'm like, no, I actually need more from you. I need more and I know you're giving a lot. And if you can't give me more, I need to know that so I can get more help because I need more help. And that's been like, like kind of makes me nauseated to say those words even, right? It's quite difficult. Um, But we are, we are entering a new phase or like (laughs) as a small example, the other day I was getting ready to take, my children out to the park and getting the car ready. And my son yelled really loudly because I, I closed the screen door on him so I could go load some stuff into the car. And as he screams out, my daughter starts crying and he goes over to her and he just like rubs her belly really softly. And like there, there are more and more moments of that where he's like, Oh, you're my, you're my little buddy or, or, you know, I want to care for you. And it's awesome. It's really awesome. Watching their, their parallel trajectory, right? Like, again, I'm trying to, I don't feel like it's a lot of effort, but I'm trying not to have like, to force what their relationship is, to let them create it. And uh, what's happening right now is just really tender and incredible to watch that's beautiful stacy thank you so much for that and thank you so much for sharing your stories i found so much deep wisdom in both of them um and i'm so grateful for that thank you and are there any parting words of wisdom or any parting words of truth that you have found from these experiences that you would like to leave our listeners with Oh, man. <laughs> what has become super clear and like the the essence of the work I intend to do in the world is supporting women healing through their birth journey, not from it. Like this should not be something that you heal from, mm-hmm. but that is a healing force for you, for your soul, for your body, for your relationships for your voice, like it is, it has the capacity to do that at the deepest level. Mm, Thank you so much for that, Stacey. And thank you so much for this interview. This was absolutely lovely. Thank you, Jaden. I'm so glad it was the third time's a charm. So glad we finally (laughs) got to do this. Yes, it was. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.